Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff. Today, I want to talk about the Donahue Death Squad breaking up. I've been absent this week because I've been on jury duty. Been stuck in a room for eight to nine hours every day listening to felony cases. Me and the rest of the jury were deciding if there was enough probable cause in these cases to send them into the court system. Now, we actually dismissed a couple of cases, which was pretty cool. I felt like I was doing my civic duty. But for the most part, most of the cases were pretty cut and dry. Either there was video evidence or the officer found tons of meth or cocaine on the person or they murdered somebody. Like, some crazy story. I heard some crazy stories this week. This week, though, gave me an interesting perspective. Really, really happy with what I do. I am very, very blessed to be able to do what I love every single day. Felt like sitting in that room for eight hours doing something that I didn't want to be doing and having long lulls because there were times we'd have to wait for witnesses or officers to come in and testify. And so we'd just be sitting around for an hour. And I just felt like at the end of the day that I was like drained, like emotionally drained, physically drained. I didn't have a lot of motivation to go and be productive after that. I had to kind of force myself to make my way to the gym really quick so I could either see new people that were interested in joining the gym or teach a class or even get my own training in. And I I really think there's something about your motivation and your kind of life force that gets sucked away when you're doing something you don't want to be doing, especially for long periods of time. And I just left this week with a new sense of gratitude for being able to do jujitsu every single day of my life. But today I want to talk about the big news. I'm sure most of you have been wondering where I've been at and why I haven't done an episode on the Donahue Death Squad. Man, it really took me by surprise. I don't think anybody saw this coming. These guys moved to Puerto Rico um, a handful of months ago so they can get in training full time. There's talks that they were going to open a gym in Puerto Rico, that they had found a location, and that they were going to be staying in Puerto Rico for the near future. Gordon Ryan was on top of the world. Craig Jones has been absolutely killing it. He's been on a tear, and a lot of the junior squad members have finally started to make their way into the top five of Flow Grappling's rankings. I mean, they're on top of the world. Gordon Ryan's posting every other month about how much money he's making. You know John Donahue's made a killing off of his DVDs. I mean, I guarantee both of them are millionaires now. Gary Tonin's 5-0 and in MMA and looking like if he can ever get back over and fight in 1FC, that he will be fighting for the title either in his next fight or, you know, he wins that next fight, then he'll be fighting for the title. And then they've got a 1FC champion. Everybody's been wanting to go down there and train with those guys, you know, and and it was just a matter of time until they opened a gym. But then John Donahue posted this weekend a very interesting post where he announced that the Donahue Death Squad was over, that there were disagreements. And coming from John Donahue, I think, really made me believe immediately that something was going on. I mean, Gordon Ryan has 
I don't want to say that he's lied, but he's definitely led the public astray many times. His social media has been used to hype up his own, whether it's matches coming up or hype up a DVD coming up. I mean, he wants all eyes on him. And so, for instance, the first time he retired, he had just taken a match. Um, you know, he had done a, a handful of, of matches and he had just absolutely dominated and he went on vacation. He was saying it was like the first time in five years he had been on vacation and that he was reconsidering grappling in his life and that he was contemplating retiring and all of this stuff. And a month later, he was like, oh, I was just completely joking about that. I was just, it was basically just like a joke. And you never know with Gordon. I mean, he's very unpredictable. And so if Gordon had posted that the DDS had ended, I'd be like, ah, something's going on here. I don't trust Gordon. Just like with this stomach thing. I, I know that he has stomach issues. I'm not, I'm not arguing and saying that he's not nauseous and that he hasn't been dealing with this just horrific nauseousness that is causing him to underperform, even though he's been absolutely dominating his matches. Um, I definitely think that there's a, an even better version of Gordon Ryan that we haven't seen because of his stomach issues. And I'm sure it has stopped him from training like he wants to. But at the same time, I know he hasn't truly retired. There is no way in hell that Gordon Ryan is retired from competitive grappling. Now, whether or not he takes a match this year, I don't know, but if you told me he wasn't going to do that ADCC super fight against Andre Galvao, I, I mean, he, I would be absolutely shocked. I mean, I would lose a lot of money betting on this if somebody was like, no, 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 I guarantee you Gordon Ryan will not compete before the end of 2022. He won't do ADCC, he won't do anything. I mean, to me, that sounds like guaranteed money. But anyways, it came from John Donahue. He writes this post about how all good things must come to an end, and it was just an absolute privilege to be the head of the Donahue Death Squad, but there's been some disagreements, and you know, it sounded like there was a couple of guys that just didn't agree with each other, that weren't getting along. And I want you guys to think about this. So when these guys were training in New York, they basically were just meeting at Henzo's Gracie's, but they didn't live near each other. I mean, I think it was Nicky Ryan. I was reading what he was saying. Um, like Nicky Ryan was like, look, before we moved to Puerto Rico, I never hung out with these guys outside of training and competition. I mean, we didn't live close to each other. Everybody lived so far away. It wasn't like you could just, hey, let's go meet up Friday night. I mean, if it wasn't training or competition, we weren't together. And so a lot of the guys, you know, they're just training. They're, they're obviously spending a lot of time around each other, but they're not living together. But once they move to Puerto Rico, they're all basically living together. They're all living in the same compound. They're all spending every single day together. And it just sounds like some of the guys didn't mesh well. Now, I don't know who those guys were, whether it was Craig and Gordon were starting not to get along or Nikki Rod and you know, whoever. I don't know who, who the egos were, I should say, just the people that didn't match and uh, didn't, didn't mesh. And I think that's, that's completely normal. I honestly, you know, you'd expect that to happen. You've got a handful of world-class athletes training day in and day out 
all striving for the same goal. And now they're basically living together in like a real world or big brother type situation. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely going to be conflict. And it looked like that conflict started to break at the team. And it's, you know, Donahue said this, this really interesting, he put two words together. He said that there was people that had differing values, that the, the team didn't agree on their values anymore which I'm guessing then is a couple of people had issue with Gordon Ryan, that they didn't like the direction that Gordon Ryan was taking and some of the stances that Gordon was taking. Now, again, this is just me just guessing, but obviously I think, you know, you don't really have to know exactly what's going on and who's between to just guess that, you know, if we're talking about morals, you know, a lot of people have questioned Gordon morals, whether, you know, it's his talk about the COVID vaccine or, you know, his stance on homelessness or whatever, you know, how he treats the Atos guys. A lot of people are not Gordon fans as his personality. A lot of people are Gordon Ryan jiu-jitsu fans, but not Gordon Ryan role model fans. And, you know, it just makes you wonder if there's just a couple of guys being around him all day that are kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm tired of putting up with this guy. Now, I think, though, the, the, the thing that really started to break away at them is money. And I'll get into all that, but we've got to talk about the DDS. Because I've seen people argue, and I've thought for a long time, that the DDS, we've seen different phases of the DDS, and the DDS has changed a lot over the years. So is it really the DDS breaking up, or is it just moving into... Or is it just evolving into something different? Because the Donahue Death Squad started many moons ago, 10 years ago, well before Gordon Ryan had even just started training. Maybe Gordon had just started training. But 2011, I believe that was the date. And as always with these type of episodes, I don't want you guys to like take me for, for like word for word. I don't have all the facts here. I'm going to go off of my memory. I'm going to try and remember, you know, I haven't done like crazy amounts of research or anything, but I'm going to try and go off of my memory of just things I've read over the years and matches I've seen and things I've heard, but I'm going to try to do my best because I really do respect everybody on that team. I think, you know, Gordon and John Donahue are absolute legends and they've changed the sport for the better. So let me just say that before I start the retelling of the Danaher Death Squad. So 2011, looking at 10 years ago, We've got a young blue belt who is in college. He is pursuing a degree in, I believe, philosophy, Eddie Cummings. And he's training underneath a uh, Henzo affiliate, so somebody that had gotten their black belt from. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was like a two-stripe blue belt. And he um, was, again, part of the Henzo system, but he wasn't training under John Donahue. Now, Eddie Cummings started training at the main Henzo Gracie school and he started taking the morning class. I guess it just fit in better with his class schedule. For whatever reason, he started taking the morning class. And at the time when he first started teaching, it was taught by somebody else. So again, you know, Eddie Cummings, midway through his blue belt, had never even trained under John Donahue. But he starts taking this morning class at Henzo, which famously became John Donahue's class. So after, um, you know, a couple of months of Eddie coming, uh, you know, being in this morning class, John Donahue takes over for that instructor, whoever was the uh, original morning class instructor. So John takes over that spot. And immediately, 
I'm sure, you know, again, you got a philosophy major. You got John Donahue, everybody knows, is was a philosophy guy as well. He, I think there was a lot of similarities between their personalities. And, um, you know, this young blue belt, Eddie Cummings, like finally found his sensei, his master. And I remember people telling me that Eddie Cummings, once he decided to pursue jiu-jitsu full-time, that he was basically by John's side all day, every day. That every class John taught, Eddie Cummings was there. If John was teaching a private lesson, Eddie Cummings was the uki. Eddie Cummings, I think, has been lost in the Donahue Death Squad lore, especially because jiu-jitsu has seen an explosion over the past couple of years where, I mean, Eddie Cummings has been out of the sport for three years now. And so a lot of the new guys, they only know the DDS as Gordon Ryan squad. But honestly, the guy was Eddie Cummings. Eddie Cummings was the true apprentice. And so to me, it's always been kind of weird seeing Gordon Ryan take, in my opinion, Eddie Cummings' place. Because Eddie was, he really was the, you know, if you've got the Jedi Master, he was the apprentice. He was Donahue's true apprentice. Just, I just, I really feel like they had so many things in common. The way they think. The way they, I mean, even just the way they talk. If you listen to Eddie, Eddie uh, Cummings speak about jiu-jitsu and then you listen to John Donahue speak about jiu-jitsu, it just, it was so similar. Both just insanely intelligent. I mean, if you watch a Gordon Ryan instructional and a John Donahue instructional, they are very, very different. And so I've always thought it was kind of funny, you know, when people go, oh, I can't believe John Donahue and Gordon Ryan have they both have instructionals on the same topics like the instructionals are very very different and they are taught very very differently so just because you have john donahue's leg lock instructional doesn't mean you shouldn't get gordon ryan's instructional because they are very very different they are not teaching the same way they're showing different moves very very different but man you listen to eddie cummings it it sounds a lot like john donahue Sounds a lot like John Donahue. And now Eddie Cummings only has one instructional, and it was on Dijitsu. I have seen the instructional. It was really, really good. It was only like an hour and a half, and it was from when Eddie was teaching a seminar at um, – It was he was teaching a seminar at um, – I can't, I can't remember whose school it was, but basically it was just a seminar. Camera followed him around, and they got about two hours worth of footage. They were selling it for 20 bucks. Definitely worth your 20 bucks. Definitely underpriced. I, I learned a lot about heel slipping, defending leg locks, and there was just a couple of nuances in there that I'd never seen before. But anyways, Eddie Cummings is, is the first member, and he's by John's side eight hours a day. Right when he leaves college, he's decided to become John's pupil. Now, Gary Tonin was the next squad member that came. And now, Gary Tonin was already very well established. He was... He was a very dominant grappler. He had already earned his way into ADCC. He had won in ADCC trials. He had beat Wagner Rocha. I believe he had beaten Wagner Rocha in the finals of an ADCC trials. Don't quote me on that. To win his first spot, uh, to, to make his way into ADCC. And he had a phenomenal performance. 
he fought Cron Gracie, in, which in my mind is still probably the best ADCC match of all time. I shouldn't say probably. It is the best ADCC match of all time. If you haven't seen it, you should go to YouTube, watch Cron Gracie versus Gary Tonin. Gary Tonin had a phenomenal match. I mean, Cron Gracie at the time was the golden boy. I think a lot of people, again, have forgotten about Cron Gracie and what he meant to the sport, the son of Hicks and Gracie. He was the samurai. He was the guy that everybody, like, while everybody, like, appreciated Hodger Gracie and thought he was the greatest of all time. No, I don't feel like people loved Hodger Gracie like they loved Kron Gracie. There was something about Kron. He was just cool. He had a style about him. He was smaller, so he did uh, he did a much more flowing jiu-jitsu than Hodger Gracie. I mean, Hodger Gracie was a giant. You saw Hodger Gracie, you know, he would just get on top of guys and just absolutely smash them. He would just pass their guard and hit them with the same move over and over again. And while, again, the jiu-jitsu community appreciated that, there was something about Kron Gracie and his matches with Marcelo Garcia and his journey to get and become an ADCC champion that I think was very, very special and is something that, um, again, none of the other Gracies in more recent years have had. I mean, Kron Gracie has always had that... He's just always been the it guy. And he and Gary Tonin had a match. Before, again, Gary had ever, uh, before he joined John Donner here, they had a match at ADCC that was the best of all time. And, and Gary was three seconds away from beating Kron Gracie. Three seconds away. Now, who knows if he would have ended up winning or meddling at ADCC. He would have been in the semifinals against JT Torres, his American rival. But... Man, match was insane. I mean, Gary scores six points, takes Kron's back with the truck, but this is after Kron Gracie puts Gary in one of the sickest arm bars of, of all time. I mean, just puts him in a crazy arm bar. Gary does an insane escape. And with Hickson, Kron's father, on the sideline, Kron ends up tapping Gary Tonin with like three seconds left. If Gary just would have been put to sleep, if he just would have held on for two or three more seconds, he would have beaten Kron Gracie. But that's not what happened. Kron goes on to submit both JT Torres and Octavia Souza to win his first ADCC and only ADCC gold medal. And it was a big moment. Like everybody wanted Kron to win. And Kron was the story in that ADCC. But after that ADCC is when Gary Tonin found his way, like shortly after that, he found his way to the Blue Basement. And I believe it started with Johnny Grippo. And Johnny Grippo, I know, I don't know if many of you guys know who Johnny Grippo is. Johnny Grippo's, he's a top 10, he's been a top 10 um, lightweight jujitsu practitioner, mostly gi. He's only done one ADCC where he didn't really have the best performance. But Johnny Grippo, he's been around. He started at Henzo Gracie, but everybody knows him from Marcelo Garcia because he got his black belt from Marcelo Garcia. But at the time, he was training at Henzo Gracie's. And him and Gary, very similar size. And just, I think, again, natural training partners. If you just watch their styles, you could see why those guys would be interested in training with each other. And so Gary was going up and training with Johnny Grippo, and he would stay for John Donahue's classes. And I think it was there that he was blown away by a guy named Eddie Cummings. And this is the thing about Eddie Cummings. Of all the people I've ever heard mention rolling and training with the Donahue Death Squad, 
I've never heard people talk about training with Gary Tonin or Gordon Ryan like they talked about training with Eddie Cummings. And so Gary went in and just got absolutely mauled by Eddie Cummings. Everybody, a lot of world-class guys I know that have went and trained with Eddie Cummings, just whether it was in the blue basement or they brought him out for a seminar, they're like, no, no, this guy absolutely ran through me with all different types of submissions, but especially the leg locks. I have never seen anything like it. And so Gary Tonin goes in and he's just getting his ass kicked by Eddie Cummings, getting tapped left and right by leg locks. And he's sold. These guys are doing no gi. Gary always specialized in no gi. While he was training gi and no gi, previously, before he joined the Donahue Death Squad, I mean, he, he did well in the gi, but he was mostly and better known for his no gi, had better results in no gi. And so I think it was a very easy transition for him to join, um, you know, the, the Blue Basement and to really get involved with, you know, the kind of that idea of like, no, I'm just going to start focusing on Nogi, especially after his ADCC performance. And I think he felt like, man, if he could add what this Eddie Cummings guy was doing, because nobody else was doing that. Nobody else was doing what Eddie Cummings and John Donahue were doing in that Blue Basement. Now, John's had a couple of other students that never competed that I've always heard like, man, they had amazing leg locks, but Eddie Cummings was the guy. Don't get, don't let anybody tell you that Eddie Cummings was not the best. Like Eddie Cummings was the guy. So Gary starts training there. As many of you guys know, Gordon starts training with Gary at Blue Belt and it was Purple Belt. Once he got awarded as Purple Belt, he started going up with Gary to the Blue Basement and that's how the original cast was formed. You know, we have our original team of Gary Tonin, Gordon Ryan, and Eddie Cummings. But Eddie Cummings was, again, John Hare's pupil. So while Gary Tonin was the most well-known guy and the guy that was going out and getting competition results, Eddie Cummings was the true pupil, and Gordon Ryan was the guy that had tons of potential. Now, it's a funny story um, that I've heard uh, Gary and Gordon talk about was how, um, and even like Tom DeBlas, is Gordon Ryan talking about how when he, I think he was like a purple belt, before he ever stepped in the foot into Henzo's, like he was telling people that he couldn't be leg locked. Like he was telling like uh, Tom DeBlas and and Gary that like, oh, I don't believe like leg locks won't work on me. Like nobody can leg lock me. And so he goes up to Henzo's for the first time and Eddie Cummings taps him out like six times, just like absolutely obliterates him in a roll. That's just what Eddie did. Eddie rolled hard and Eddie Cummings has John's personality or closer to John's personality. I'm not sure. Um, I've spent very, very just like 10 minutes in the presence of Donahue and Eddie Cummings. So I I said hi to those guys and was in like a conversation for like 30. They would have no idea who I was, even was. So I don't know these guys, but again, just listening to them talk and from what I've heard, similar personalities. But Eddie Cummings and Gordon Ryan, very different. Very, very, very different personalities. And Eddie Cummings trains very, very hard. And so this is kind of where the first DDS drama came in. Now, it was a couple of years later. And what's funny is, is as a purple belt, think of yourself, right? Or your school you're at. If you're a purple belt and you're training at a gym, and especially if you're getting ass kicked by some of the upper belts, you're just going in there and some of the guys can just absolutely obliterate you. You don't have a lot of power. You can't really change things. You can't really 
dictate your own terms. Now, while you can say, hey, I don't want to train with you, or you know, if, if you don't like the way somebody's training, like a black belt, you don't really have a lot of options. And I don't think Gordon Ryan ever liked the way and liked training with Eddie Cummings. Eddie Cummings, you know, and Gordon said this many times, that Eddie Cummings popped his legs, whether it was his ankles or his knees, many times, just going aggressively after heel hooks. And I, I know this to be true because I've heard a lot of other guys that I know outside of even the Down Here Death Squad talk about training with Eddie that it was like, dude, you better tap quick. Like he's putting it on like it's ADCC finals. And again, at the time though, Eddie's the man, he's the true pupil. He's the guy that, that I think Donahue really wants to promote because he's the best representation of the system. Gary Tonin came in and while he adapted and, and you know, is, is clearly a Donahue guy, he's got a very different style than the rest. Even still, Gary's got his own style. It's very, very obvious that Gary, you know, if you look at Gordon, Gary and Eddie, that Gary's kind of the black sheep or the black duck. It just doesn't really fit in. His style doesn't really fit in. So EBI comes around, right? EBI outside of ADCC, there really wasn't any no-gi events. Metamorris was trying, and they had a couple of successful shows, but that dies. I mean, EBI put no-gi jiu-jitsu on the map. It's what people know today. Like, the modern no-gi game is defined by those early EBI tournaments and the success of EBI, as well as some of the top 10th Planet athletes, but most importantly, the Danaher Death Squads. But this is where the Danaher Death Squad really evolved and made a name for themselves. In that first one, there was two. Gary Tonin comes out, wins the 170-pound division, submits everybody, beats Boogie Martinez in the finals, and I believe he beat him with a heel hook, an inside heel hook. And this was the start. So in the first 14 EBIs, like if you just look at the first 14 EBIs, where there were four, you know, 14 different brackets, 10 of the winners were Donahue Death Squad members. Now the name Donahue Death Squad, I'm pretty sure actually came from Eddie Bravo. I'm pretty sure that he was talking on a Joe Rogan and he was mentioning something like about a band or something. And he was talking about how like the Donahue desk, like the guys from Donahue's were coming into his tournament and just tapping everybody out. And he called him. He was like, yeah, it's like Donahue's death squad. And I believe that's how the name came about. Don't quote me on that. And they heard that because obviously Joe's podcast, even then, while now it's like the biggest podcast in the world. Even then, it was still super popular, especially for jujitsu people. So I'm sure they listened to it, and that's where the name came from. I'm pretty sure that's right. But if I'm not, please, somebody message me and tell me that that's not where the name came from. But anyways, these guys won 10 of the first 14. Eddie Cummings and Gary Tonin, though, were the, the guys. Everybody loved Gary. Gary was always the people's champ, but there was something about Eddie Cummings. Everybody was afraid of Eddie Cummings everybody. He was going in there and just murdering the brackets. He was, you know, he was going out there and beating everybody in like five minutes, like total. And he just was ripping people's legs in half. Now, what really broke away and why again, Eddie Cummings left, I think there's a few reasons. So he was the favorite son for a long time. We'll say from 2012, you know, when he first really, I guess, starts training under Donahue, 
and they start, I guess, like, you know, spending all day, every day together. You know, he's learning from Donna here. They're innovating together, all the leg lock stuff, yada, yada, yada. Two, when Gordon Ryan became the man, because there was a clear point when it wasn't Eddie Cummings and Gary Tone anymore. It wasn't like Eddie Cummings, then Gary Tone, and then Gordon Ryan. It became Gordon Ryan, Gary Tony, Eddie, uh, Gary Tonin, and Eddie Cummings. So the favorite son was replaced. And I think what happened was Eddie Cummings kept getting injured. So Eddie Cummings' injuries are what opened the door for Gordon Ryan to take his place. And that's got to be difficult, right? Imagine if, if you're at your school and, and you're a brown belt and you're your instructor's, uh, excuse me, you're like a blue or purple belt and you're like your instructor's first pupil. You know, you're the first guy that gets promoted to blue belt. You're the first guy that gets promoted to purple belt. You're one of his first black belts. And you and your instructor have a really close relationship. And then all of a sudden somebody else comes in. Now, obviously right off the bat, that guy, he's not up there. He's not with you and your instructor. He's not part of that. He's on the outside looking in. But as this pupil gets better and better, all of a sudden you're the one on the outside looking in. You're the one that's watching that pupil. He's the guy now getting all the credit. He's the guy now getting all of the, the accolades, and he's getting all the praise from the instructor. So once Gordon Ryan went out there and won that absolute, it wasn't right after that. It was a few, probably a year and a half, two years later, where Eddie Cummings was basically out and the Ryan brothers were in. Because Donahue still needed people that could go out there and showcase his jujitsu, but it couldn't be Gary Tonin because again, Gary Tonin had his own unique style and he's a black belt under Tom DeBlass. So while again, a lot of Gary's success, you know, you got to credit, you got to credit Donna here, but it just doesn't look like Donna here. So Gary Tonin going, yeah, like this guy taught me stuff. It's like, yeah, but your style looks different than the rest of the DDS guys. The way that you scramble, the way that you transition, the way that you see techniques, the way that you even use the system that, that John's taught, like you've got your own unique flair to it. You're your own grappler. But it's very obvious that the Ryan brothers and Eddie Cummings were learning the same system. The same way, you know, like whether it was the straight jacket system or the way they take guys through the Ashi uh, Garami progressions and the way that... I mean, just there's so many things that you watch, the way that Eddie played sit-up guards, the way that Gordon played, you know, and I'm talking about early on because honest, uh, obviously Gordon has made so many innovations to what he does. So don't hear me if Gordon ever hears this. Don't hear me and say that you and Eddie have the same jujitsu because you have innovated and you're the best ever, right? No arguments for me. But anyways, he uh, here still needed people to go out and prove the system and Eddie Cummings couldn't do it anymore. Eddie Cummings had uh, had taken a lot of injuries, especially in his lower back and in his hips. And a lot of it was due to the Connie Basami or the scissor leg, especially the seated scissor, uh, the seated scissor leg, the reverse entry where he was, you know, inverting guys. And it's the same way that Gordon blew his knee out. Eddie supposedly destroyed his hip, his hip, um, what is that term? Um, not the hip flexor, but 
the hip labrum. He had torn his hip labrum from attempting that so many times, especially against larger opponents. And his back was messed up from getting stacked because Eddie would go out, and there's even footage of Eddie, like he would go out and compete in absolutes when he was like a purple and brown belt. And, uh, you know, he would take on all challengers at the gym. And he was playing the outside Ashigarami position. And the times, like the one beef I had with Eddie and his techniques, because Eddie looked unstoppable and like a robot, but he made one big mistake. And since then, the Donahue guys have taken it out. And it's playing the Ashi, uh, the outside Ashigarami system without a locked-in heel hook. So guys would be standing above Eddie. And he would throw in, so he would try an Ashigarami sweep or go to the reap. And if they turned a certain way, he would go to the outside Ashigarami system. And now there were times he had success with that, where he'd sweep them over with that. But there were so many times I saw him just getting stacked and absolutely crushed. And while his guard, like he he never got past. He got passed for maybe like half a second by Tanquinho. Uh, one time, but other than that, like he never got past, but basically he was just getting stacked up on that back and he's all twisting and turning. And I remember when I was trying to emulate that from Eddie, when I first saw him having success with that, I was finding that it was bothering my lower back, trying that outside Ashigarami uh, against standing opponents. Cause guys would again, just stack on top of me. I'm trying to twist my hips so I can create an off balance. And it's just putting tons of pressure on my back. And so those things caused Eddie's body to just break down, plus all of the weight cutting. Now, an EBI 10, I believe it was EBI 10, the one where Gio Martinez upset Eddie Cummings in the final. Eddie Cummings cut to 135 pounds. And I believe Eddie took some serious injuries from this weight cut. This was kind of the end of, uh, the end of Eddie Cummings. His body's all broken because he's losing all of this weight. He should really be about 165, 170 pounds, but he's trying to walk around at 145 so he can do 145 EBIs and 135 EBIs because Gary Tonin was the 155 and 170 guy, and then Gordon Ryan was the 185, 205, and 225 pound guy. And so Eddie was forced to do these lower weight classes. He does the under 135 pound weight division. People said he cut 20 pounds in a day and that he looked like he was on death's door. Now, there already was rumblings about Eddie's discontent at Henzo's, but after he lost to Gio Martinez in the final, so he lost to a 10th planet guy, that was kind of the end of it. You know, you got this kind of broken athlete, this guy that's got all of these injuries. He has an absolutely phenomenal run. I mean, honestly, if they run that match back 10 times or they make it t no time limit sub only, I mean, Eddie Cummings absolutely dominated Gio Martinez. I've never seen somebody do what Eddie Cummings did to Gio Martinez. Even Mikey Musumeci, who beat Gio pretty handedly. I mean, Eddie Cummings smoked Gio like, I mean, Gio did nothing in that match. All he did was defend the entire time. And Eddie Cummings had just locked up a rear triangle, a rear back triangle, and it looked like he was going to finish Geo before uh, time ran out. But anyways, after this loss, that's when things really fell apart. Eddie again, tons of injuries, and if you've ever dedicated yourself to a sport and you start to get injured and it starts to affect your training and affect your performances, you know how that can affect your mental state, how that can make you depressed. And I remember hearing from some guys at Henzo's that I knew that Eddie Cummings had hurt his back, like his back was just jacked up, like a couple months after this EBI, and that he couldn't even train, that he was like bedridden 
for like a month or two because of like sciatica or something in his back. And Don, John Donner here, again, he still needs people to go out there. And he's got these young Ryan brothers. He's got Gordon, who's just absolutely killing everybody, who's taking on all of these challenge matches, you know, who's challenging the jiu-jitsu community, going out there and using the systems that John taught him to go out there and beat some of the best guys in the world. And then he's got a younger brother, Nikki, who he sees just all the potential in the world. So I think in his mind, he's just kind of like, Eddie's not the favorite son anymore. I'm going to take these Ryan brothers under my wing. Look, Eddie can still train here, obviously, and he's a big part of the squad, but he's not the favored son anymore. He is not the true pupil. Now, that took a, that, that caused a lot of drama. And so, again, you guys got to go back to where Gordon and, and Eddie never really got along. Very, very, very different personality types. And Eddie popped and, and trained with Gordon very, very roughly when, when Gordon was a young purple belt, when he, he was a young kid. Now Gordon's the man. Now Gordon's probably kicking Eddie's ass during training, especially this, this small, broken Eddie Cummings. I mean, Gordon's, Gordon's the man. Has to ruffle Eddie Cummings' feathers. His ego and his pride has to have taken a big hit from that. He spent all this time working his way up and, and you know, being John Donahue's apprentice, and, and now he's not. And I heard a lot of rumblings, and this is definitely, um, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I, I heard that Eddie Cummings wanted to release leg lock instructionals, that he wanted to start releasing instructionals, that he wanted to start getting out on the seminar tour. I mean, Eddie's in his early 30s, broken body. He sees that as, hey, if I'm going to stay in jiu-jitsu, I have to do it through teaching. But I heard from a lot of different people, guys that were in the Henzo room, plus guys that were, um, you know, like 10th Planet guys that knew a lot of the Henzo guys that John Donner here didn't want them teaching the system just yet. And so I heard a lot of their early seminars. Now, this is definitely not true and hasn't been true. I haven't heard this for a very long time, but I heard six, seven years ago, five, six, seven years ago, when Eddie Cummings and Gary Tonin and John Donahue, and John Donahue never used to do seminars, by the way, that it was just Eddie Cummings going out there and Gary Tonin teaching seminars, and especially when they would go to teach leg lock seminars, that they weren't teaching what they did, that they were holding stuff back, and that John didn't want them teaching the full system. That he wanted them to just kind of, you know, hey, show some really basic stuff, but don't show them exactly what we're doing. I don't want you guys doing that. And so while these guys were getting seminars, they weren't allowed. And, you know, Eddie, again, wasn't allowed to make a DVD. He wasn't allowed to make instructionals. And so I think Eddie's now looking at like, okay, this guy, I can't really compete because of my body. It looks like, you know, with these issues with my hips and back that I'm not going to compete for the next couple of years, maybe ever again. I'm not allowed to teach here. I mean, obviously, John's the main teacher, so I don't have a teaching spot here. And I can't produce instructionals. Well, how am I supposed to make a living? And so he leaves to go to Unity to kind of figure out his life. And now Eddie Cummings, I, I believe, is like somebody, I think somebody posted the other day that like they know Eddie, like so they know somebody that knows Eddie really well. And he's like a stock bro. He like went back to college and like he's working like in the stock market and he's like making really good money. That's what they said, like that he's got uh, like a six figure plus job. So good for Eddie Cummings. So you guys don't feel bad. He's still got uh, um, Octavia Bourdain 
and he's still, uh, you know, he's making a, a good living in New York, supposedly. That, that's what, um, you know, I've read a few different times from people that say they know people that know Eddie really well still, but he's not training jiu-jitsu, not training jiu-jitsu anymore. But he goes to Unity, which just leaves these three guys left. We've got basically two guys, Gordon and Gary, and then we've got a young Nicky Ryan. Well, this is kind of when the squad juniors were coming around. I think a lot of people have been confused over the years about junior members, and I was always confused about that as well. Now, I guess I kind of understood when these guys were purple, like blue and purple belts trying to make a name of themselves, Ethan Krillinston, Nicky Ryan, um, Oliver Taza, and guys like that. So there's been a bunch of different junior members over the years. Um, there was John Callistine, Matt Kaplan, and again, there's been a handful of other guys. And to be a full member, so like what John Donahue said, and I've heard like, or excuse me, I've heard like Gordon and Gary say this, is that there's only ever been, there only ever in the beginning was four members of the original Donahue Death Squad. You had George St. Pierre, who was the MMA guy, and then you had Eddie, Gordon, and Gary. Well, Eddie's gone now. George St. George St. Pierre's retired from MMA. You've just got Gary Tonin and Gordon Ryan. And these guys are dominating, especially Gordon. I mean, Gordon looks like the ceiling and the potential is there for him to be ADCC champion. He wins ADCC, and he has, especially after uh, he wins ADCC and gets second place in the finals to Felipe Pena of the Absolute, like he... He's the guy, I think, where John Donahue went, okay, the system has been proven. I don't need to hide the secrets anymore. Now I am ready to create the instructionals. And that's what he did. So after that 2017 ADCC where his guys had tons of success, but particularly you had Gordon Ryan going out there and you know went out there and just murdered, had one of the best ADC performances ever, You got now Donahue going, okay, it's time for me to release instructionals. But what I really think made him want to release these instructionals, so again, why he resisted for a long time, wouldn't let Eddie Cummings, didn't even want those guys showing, you know, what they were doing in seminars. I think what really changed it was he was seeing Craig Jones and seeing some of the other guys start to study what the squad was doing in their EBI matches and then after ADCC. Like people were going to be studying what they were doing. And if he didn't come out with the DVD, then somebody else was. Whether it was Lachlan Giles or Craig Jones or a 10th Planet guy. I mean, everybody was studying them. So he needed to get something out there quick or he was going to miss out on you know, all the money that he can make. He's easily made a couple million dollars from just that leg lock DVD. I mean, everybody I know that is like a no gi, even like gi guys, like you have to have that instructional. When it came out, it was a must buy. Everybody bought it. Every school in America across the world, I'm sure, has somebody from their gym has a copy of that DVD. So I'm guaranteeing, again, he made a couple million dollars off of that. So he absolutely killed it with the timing of that instructional release. But now, again, he sees that. He gets, I'm sure he makes tons of money. And then now he starts the 
um, you know, BJJ Fanatics thing where he is coming out with an instructional every couple of months. And so now he's got this reoccurring revenue that has taken him from, I'm sure, a guy that, you know, in New York, he was making decent, you know, six figures for sure living in New York and all his work with UFC fighters. I'm sure he was making 200000 a year, maybe two fifty, but he's easily making over, easily making a couple million a year now off these instructionals. Gordon Ryan gets to join in. And Gordon Ryan has easily made millions of dollars off his, uh, his instructionals. He's the guy that was really, you know, given the green light to go out and do it. Because he was the guy that proved John Donahue's system. So I think Donahue has a special affinity for Gordon. I think he kind of like that son that finally, like, oh, you're the son that finally proved what I've been saying all these years. Nobody can deny what I've been saying in this blue basement because you went out and did it. I couldn't, but you did it. So go, my son. Fly away. Make all the money you want. And that's what they've done. Both of them have become incredibly successful. So now let's fast forward because I, I talked about the Eddie Cummings thing. So while they were strife, and I'm sure it probably killed Eddie Cummings to see Gordon Ryan and uh, Donahue take credit for his leg locks. Because I believe a lot of the system was created by Eddie. I know a lot of people that were involved in that room that say a lot of the system was created by Eddie. Now, Gordon has come out emphatically. He's the only one, but he's emphatically said that, no, John taught Eddie everything he knows. Eddie didn't come up with anything. I think that's absolute horse crap. Absolute horse crap. Because Eddie Cummings, if you still go back and watch, like Eddie Cummings was the innovator for a lot of these things. Now, while he got a lot of help, I'm sure, from John Donahue, and I've heard some other, you know, of Henzo's black belts that were good at leg locks, like they helped him. There's definitely things that Eddie created, and Eddie deserved to, in my opinion, Eddie still deserves a huge check for the, uh, the leg lock revolution. Eddie was a big, big reason for that leg lock revolution. But anyways, we're left with two members, okay, two, um, you know, and, and two of the guys have become rich in Donna here and Gordon and, and Gary hasn't. Gary hasn't seen that same success. While he's come out with a couple of DVDs, I guarantee you they've done nowhere near the numbers of Gordon and Donna here's. While Gary's had tons of success, I think a lot of people watch Gary's style and they, while they love it and while he is the people's champ and he is everybody's favorite grappler to watch, I just think a lot of people watch it and go, and eh, there's a lot of athleticism involved. I'm a 255-pound purple belt. I'm not going to be flying and diving and jumping and transitioning like Gary Tonin. So while I could learn some things from Gary, I'm going to stick to what I see from Gordon because Gordon plays that negation game. Everybody can do Gordon Ryan's jiu-jitsu from small people to very, very large people. So Gary hasn't made the millions. But anyways, the pandemic forces John Donahue out of New York. John Donahue had famously said many, many times he would never leave New York. He loved New York. It's the best city in the world. He will always teach and train out of New York. But the pandemic shut everything down. They couldn't train. So the squad relocates to Puerto Rico. And like I mentioned 40, 30, 40 minutes ago, I don't know how long this episode's been, but these guys from the, the top of the squad now, to the junior members, they weren't used to being around each other all day, every day. 
they trained together. I'm sure they joked in the training room, but then they'd go their separate ways. Some of the guys lived in Canada. Some of the guys lived in New Jersey. Some of the guys lived in New York. There was enough space for a lot of those egos to stay in the same room. But now you've got a lot of guys like, oh, Ethan Krillinston's a junior member, but he's ranked number three in the world at 155, and he's still a junior member. Like, what's this guy got to do to become a full-fledged Donahue Desk Squad member? Oliver Taza, he's ranked like number five in the world at 170, still a junior squad member. And I think as they got more and more success, it's easy again, the junior squad members, it's easy to take a back seat and watch these other guys make all the money, have you know everybody talk about them. But now they're the marquee matchups. I mean, Ethan Cronston versus the Rotolos, best matches of the year. Those matches are absolutely incredible the first rotolo match Cade ethan match classic the second one best match of this year so far oliver taza some people like oliver's style more than gordon's they love watching oliver taza nicky rod nicky rod's a second place adcc craig jones now he's a full member of the dds so he kind of took eddie cummings place and you know he's a full-fledged member i'm pretty sure he's a full-fledged member but Anyways, these guys all moved to Puerto Rico. They're around each other all the time. Clashes happen. Egos happen. You got all these guys succeeding now. And I bet it's really tough, again, to like, man, you know, we don't get any private lessons. People don't ask us to come out for seminars. We need to go out and make a name for ourselves. So, proposed gym's supposed to be in Puerto Rico. Now, I don't know what happened there. Gordon, for, for months, was talking about how a gym was coming soon and how you know once it opens up everybody can come and visit and it was going to be amazing i mean puerto rico go out and train with the dds for a week have a vacation go to the beach i mean i was interested it sounded incredible and i guess things changed something happened within a couple of weeks because i think it even snuck up on gordon and donna here i don't think they saw this breakup happening and they decide, you know, breakup happens. I think they decide, they decide to start a gym, okay? And I believe the gym, though, and from what it sounds like, I think the real break happened because it was going to be a Donahue Gordon gym. It was just going to be those two having ownership. And all the rest of the guys weren't going to have this uh, cut of the pie. Or maybe they couldn't agree on the cut of the pie. Maybe the top guys, you know, the top seven or eight, you know, including Ethan, Nikki, uh, Nikki Rod, Oliver Taza, like I'm sure they all wanted a piece of that gym. Like, hey, you know, we're, we're major members of the squad. People want to come train with us. People, you know, recognize our name. Yeah, we're not Gordon and, and Gary and uh, Donna here, but we're, we're major players in this. And I don't think they were going to get a cut. And I don't think they like that. I don't think Craig Jones liked that. Craig's like, mm, I don't think Craig liked that. And so I think they got together and there was a split. Now, what it looks like is, I mean, it's confirmed. Donahue and Gordon and Gary Tonin are going to Austin, Texas to open a gym. It's going to be called New Wave Jiu-Jitsu. And Oliver Taza is coming with them. He's the only guy that's come out and said, I am going with them. I'm not leaving John. I'm going to be in that room every day. But... The other four guys, the other four major players, Craig Jones, Nicky Rod, Nicky Ryan, and Ethan Krillinston, have stated that they're starting their own team. 
and that it's going to be called B-Team Jiu-Jitsu. Now, I think the name is really interesting because I feel like it's kind of a dig at those guys. They're like, hey, you know, uh, those guys being Gordon and Don here. They're like, hey, you guys wouldn't put us on the same level. You guys wouldn't give us the same stake. You guys don't see us, you know, you still call, you know, call us junior squad members. Like, fine, we'll be the B squad, and we're going to go off. We're going to start our own gym. We're going to keep training together, and we're going to keep pursuing what, you know, our goals are. We're going to keep pursuing the same thing. And a lot of people have thought that this is kind of a joke or a marketing ploy that these guys are moving to Austin to, you know, start a gym because that's where Flow Grappling is now. That's where, um, you know, Joe Rogan is. It makes perfect sense, especially for Dana here and Gordon to move to Austin, Texas. But everybody just thinks that, oh, this is just made up beef and drama. I think, uh, you know, they're going to all move to Austin. They're all going to be happy together and they're going to be training together. And in six months, they'll kind of go, ha, 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 we got you. But I don't think so. I think that there was some real issues here. Some real issues took place because we're talking about a lot of money here. Just imagine you're Craig Jones. You're Nikki Ryan. You're Ethan Krillinston. And while you're happy for John and you're happy for Gordon, you're watching those guys make millions and millions of dollars. And while Gordon, again, is level a level or two better than everybody, you're not that far behind. You're top five ranked in the world. Some Everybody thought Craig Jones was the number two pound-for-pound pound guy. Now if Gordon's not on the scene, they think he's the number one pound-for-pound pound guy. Why shouldn't they make millions of dollars? And I think they're thinking that as long as we stay underneath these two guys, there's not going to be enough money for everybody. There's never enough money for everybody. Gary's off doing his own thing. He's focused on MMA so he can stay. Don't know anything about Oliver. But I think those four are kind of like, man, we can make the same amount of money. We know the systems. We've been training in that, you know, under John forever. We know the way he thinks about jujitsu. And I think they're going to go off and try and surpass them. I would love nothing more to see a rivalry start up between, you know, if these names stay the same, between New Wave Jiu-Jitsu and the B team. I would love to see a brother rivalry. Obviously a loving rivalry where, you know, there's no hard feelings. But I would love to see Nikki Ryan represent the B team and face off against Gordon. I would love that. You talk. That's a movie right there. Disney dreams for this, like this thing happening, this situation happening. And I, I'm really happy that, you know, none of these guys are going out and talking crap about each other and, and blaming each other. And Greg, you know, everybody's kind of said, and I, I even saw Craig post on Reddit where he was like, look, I don't want to talk about it. We're trying to keep everything amicable differences. There definitely were differences, but I'm not trying to spread the gossip mill. So I hope again, they, they stay friendly, but I hope a rivalry starts up. You're telling me you wouldn't love to see Nikki Ride and Gordon Lockhorns at ADCC? Craig and Gordon Lockhorns again at ADCC? Nikki Ryan keep developing into his man body and he take on Gordon for ADCC uh, supremacy? I think that that would be the best thing that ever happened to the sport. It would bring more eyes to the sport. It would just be the best thing, you know, now, whether or not, like, who knows, like what Donahue and Gordon's plans are. I think in their mind, they're like, Hey, we go to Austin, we get on Joe Rogan's show every three, four months. We're around flow grappling and on flow grappling all the time. We are the true faces of the sport. We're making a couple of million. Now there's no reason why in five years, we don't make 10 mil this year, you know, from jujitsu. I think in their mind, they're thinking, Hey, we're not going to be just making seven. We might make, we might start making eight digits a year. That's their goal. 
I mean, Gordon's talked about, hey, he wants to be a billionaire. He wants to make $100 million. So I think in his mind, this Austin move is his path to that next bump up in pay. Like, hey, I'm going to be making $10 mil a year. So, again, I want to reiterate, a lot of this came from my memory of stuff I've heard over the years, just kind of the rumor wills, kind of seeing all these guys post the past couple of days. And I've been at jury duty. And so I've been following social media a lot this week because I've had hours to kill in this room. I couldn't leave. And so I got involved in the drama more than I would have if I wasn't in that jury room. And so that's what I think is, is happening. I do think the squad split. I think there was some money reasons, some ownership reasons. I think the B squad is kind of a little bit miffed and ticked and probably tired of being treated as second class as all. Oh, I'm Ethan Curlinston, and I'm not a full-fledged member. Like, dude, what are you talking? I'm number three in the world under flow grappling. You know, hey, I'm Craig Jones. I'm the number one pound for – Gordon, if you're not competing, I'm number one pound for pound guy. I want my respect. I was just on the Ultimate Fighter. All eyes are on me. I was on the Joe Rogan Show too. I can make millions of dollars. Nikki Rod going, dude, I've been training a year and a half, and I got silver at ADCC. I'm, I can make a million dollars. And Nikki Ryan going, look, Gordon, you're way older than me. You even know, like you see in the training room, if I can just unlock what I do in the training room, I'll be better than you. I can make millions as well. So I wish those guys nothing but the best of luck. I think their move to Austin is going to be a great move. I don't know where the B team's going to set up. I think they're going to probably end up in Texas too. Now, if they end up in Austin as well, I could see them, you know, maybe they all train together in the morning and then they go off and teach at their separate academies. But I mean, if John Donahue hadn't come out and posted saying that the DDS was no more, then I would go, that's exactly what's happening. But since Donahue said that, and since Donahue thanked Craig Jones, like basically said, no, Craig's not my student anymore. To me, that shows that this is a real thing and that there has been a real split. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Until next time, you guys know I love and appreciate you. I just love everything about my life, especially after this week at Jerry Duty. <laughs> Listen to some of these messed up cases and just some of the hard lives and bad decisions people have made have made me very appreciative of the good decisions I've made over the years. Until next time, peace. <laughs>